Welcome back to Paradigm Run. I'm your host, Mark Barrios. In today's episode, you're going to hear several more of Vern's dreams. But let's talk about two main functions of dreams, and that's compensatory and complementary dreams. So compensatory dreams. Say we hold certain truths or beliefs or we have an attitude about our current present day situation or in life in general. But say these truths or these beliefs or this attitude we have is not in accordance with who we are. That is when a dream will come forth from the unconscious in attempt to compensate or correct that attitude or that truth or that belief of our conscious mind. In terms of psyche, just real quick, psyche is the totality of our psychological operation. And so what that means is that psyche is the wholeness of who we are in the sense of the working and operation of our conscious mind, as well as the unconscious. So the unconscious is there to balance us out. And this is exactly what compensatory dreams will do. If we're just moving about a way in the world that's not for us, that's when a compensatory dream will come forth to try to compensate our actions or attitudes in life. Now let's look at this a little more worldly for a second. Say you're chasing a new job in life, something you've been curious about or intrigued about, and you're making the moves to make it a reality within your life. But say that this job is not truly for you, and maybe it would serve no purpose for you other than financial means or something of that sort. That is when the unconscious will come forth through dream as well to say, hey, you know, you're looking over here in this field. Why don't you turn this way and look over here? There might be something new for you. It's trying to show you something new that you haven't already seen or that you haven't already thought about. And so if we get in these modes where we have this limited perception, oh, I can't leave my house. You know, I have my roots here. or I can't go take that new job. That's too high above what I'm capable of doing. If that's something that we say to ourselves and that we ultimately start to believe in, but if it's not true, that's when the unconscious will come forth and say, hey, that is not true. Check this new mode of moving out. Check out this new field, this new job. It might show you a glimpse of something just, like I said, totally new that you haven't even seen or thought of before. And the whole purpose of that is it's just the unconscious attempting to compensate or correct the attitude of our conscious mind. And it's beautiful that something is there to do that with us and for us. So let's look at the opposite, and that being complementary dreams. Now when I say complementary dreams, I'm not saying complementary in the sense of to commend or to praise somebody. C-O-M-P-L-I-M-E-N-T. That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about compliment in the sense of C-O-M-P-L-E-M-E-N-T. And these complementary dreams, they come forth from the unconscious to bring a thought that our conscious mind had to fruition, so to speak. It helps us to see these extra little pieces. So once again, let's use that job motif. Let's say we are chasing a job but maybe this new job would be for us. It's in our favor. 
but we're kind of hesitant or we don't really know how to make it a reality or maybe we have a little reservation in chasing something new and leaving our current stability of pay behind. But if that job is once again for us, it's in accordance with who we are, our authenticity in life, that is when the unconscious will come forth through the mode of complimentary dream and it'll say, hey, yes, keep running with this idea. This is for you. But hey, you might need this one extra little piece to make it happen that you're not seeing or something to that effect. So that's a complimentary dream. It's helping your conscious mind that's already come to some new level of awareness come to fruition instead of the former that's trying to compensate it or get you to swing your attention in a whole new direction. They're beautiful like that to see these dreams and how they work. <laughs> but yes, dreams speak in this symbolic manner. And so that's why it is difficult to see what they're trying to say. But at the root of those meanings of that symbolic quality of the dream is where we can find that compensatory or complementary nature. With that said, here's episode 12, Imagination is Active. I hope you enjoy. Vern's dreams became beautiful once again, and quite often, he found himself without dreams to record. Through tracking his dream patterns, Vern realized that when he integrated the unconscious contents, or in other words, when he moved upon the path in a trusting and receptive manner with more than only his conscious mind, it was then the unconscious slowed its activity and allowed him to be. When dreams or other unconscious behaviors became active or intensified, Vern knew he must become conscious of the dream symbols and integrate their meaning, which usually consisted of discovering a polarity and giving life to something which was neglected. However, on days with no recordable dreams, Vern didn't quite know what to do with himself. He was familiar with putting anywhere from 6 to 12 hours of work into a series of dreams from a single night. More specifically, he would have dream imagery which required him to research keywords or symbols. Then, he'd discover in some unexplainable, synchronistic manner a psychological, alchemical, or spiritual text that would elucidate the meaning of a dream. Sometimes he would be three paragraphs in and a light bulb would turn on. Other times, he would read for days or weeks before something connected. Nonetheless, when the work is undertaken, the signs and synchronicity appear in one's favor. On these days without recordable dreams, Vern found himself returning to old dreams he had not yet understood, or he simply lived. He embraced more present moments. He smiled more and laughed and played. He was mesmerized by the wind blowing through tree leaves once again. He drank his coffee in a way wherein he tasted the oils of the beans, focused on the heat of the liquid upon his lips, and sensed the movement of such down his esophagus. 
On his back porch, he observed the delicate hummingbirds working with grace and an array of other animals in his backyard who embrace their environment and never seek to manipulate it. He was becoming balanced within himself, and when one rights the inner, so too the outer follows. Vern began to conduct household tasks in a new manner. Vern was playing with life. Even washing dishes, sweeping his floor, or mowing his yard proved to be nothing but play. Instead of living in his mind while washing dishes, wishing he were doing something else, he simply washed the dishes. Vern saw attention in detail. He saw a waterfall streaming from the faucet. He saw bubbles form around a plate, flipping it over slowly with grace and no rush to be done. He ran his fingertips along the glass and felt the smoothness of it within the smoothness of his own heart. He felt the water trickle down and move across his hand. It would send chills and ASMR coursing through him. Everything was taking a new form, a new life. Everything is spiritual if one can see it, and Vern now saw even the mundane has its place. Vern even found himself praising the mundane, performing household tasks, working on his truck or boat, and even paying bills proved to have their own grounding value in accord with the metaphysical. Walks in nature, chores, a dinner at a restaurant, and even a light comedy provided a beautiful balance between the worldly and the otherworldly. He was once again resonating with his environment, with everything around him. Vern, however, knew he needed money for life's expenses and could not live like this forever. Although he sought to nearly live within himself, Vern also knew he had to build a life and a profession for himself in the physical. Although overseas work was lucrative for him, especially as a single man with no children, he did not wish to return to it. Vern reflected on his heart's intuition to leave his old job and knew something else awaited him. Vern contemplated on old ideas he once considered, and something sparked in him. A wildlife photographer. Vern had experienced beautiful moments with nature. Bobcats, eagles, deer, mating alligators, dolphin feeding frenzies, shark feeding frenzies, encounters with manatees, and so much more. He began to think he could live out of his truck, with his boat in tow and a Kindle full of books, and Vern intended to bring this to a reality. He researched the profession of wildlife photography and committed by purchasing a camera. After weeks of pursuit of this, however, Vern had two specific dreams guiding him away from a career as a photographer. The first. I was at the beach sitting at a picnic table. There were scallops sitting at the table next to me, which I assumed I would eat. I then saw beautiful pelicans flying by. I picked up my phone to take a picture, and all of a sudden, a spider came out of the screen. It tried to grab one of the scallops and take it back into the screen with it. The second dream. I was standing on the shore of a beach, and a new mammal, as if a blend between a dolphin and a manatee, swam up to me. I looked on the ground to my right, and I saw my camera. I picked it up to take a photograph of the creature. But all of a sudden, I heard a voice. It came through and said, No, 
Put the camera down. Just be with the animal. I walked in the water towards the animal and gently pet the top of its back. As Vern awoke, he understood these dreams without hesitation. From the first, he innately knew that eyes through a screen was not a life for him. He knew the technology would take away from what was right there in front of him. And from the second, he knew his moments in nature were for moments of being, not working. He realized photography would take him out of the realm of presence, seeking to capture the moment rather than to experience it. Vern had a tough time releasing this potential career vision, which had been with him for so long now. He had always greatly admired art and photography, and also the photographers who spend months in jungles or other exotic places. But Vern knew he could trust his inner world, and he knew this was not a profession in accord with who he is. Vern resumed his contemplation and began to sense perhaps he could one day be a Jungian analyst. Vern thought of returning to school to become a mental health counselor, given everything he had endured. As Vern pondered on this for a week, he continued looking to the dreams. Not that one should expect such, but he never received a complimentary dream. Vern began to sit down in prayer and for nearly two weeks, Vern prayed. I ask you, God, unconscious, my heart, my soul, psyche, to please guide me, to show me what it is you wish for me to do or what it is that I can do. I am not sure where to turn. No guidance came, but Vern began to have extensive dreams of fruit, simply fruit. Apples, oranges, oranges hanging from trees, oranges in bags on fence posts. Vern didn't understand nor know where to turn for clarity. Then several days later, Vern had one more dream wherein all it said was, Fruits be of your actions. Vern awoke and said to himself, Interesting. Fruits be of my actions. We do in fact reap what we sow. That's no secret in the Bible. Vern contacted Jessamine and scheduled a video call. Vern explained these dreams in his recent life involvement to her, and she quickly replied, The unconscious and psyche should not be looked at as parental guides, expecting them to tell us where to go or what to do in this regard. They want us to act, and then they participate with our action. Vern was thankful he had found her, she helped him piece the puzzles together when he could not. Fern recalls the days when he first started recording dreams, and he said to himself, I think I was able to interpret 2% of my dreams. He laughed to himself. I feel it is about 60% now. It is amazing how it increases, but she aids in that missing 40. Vern went to his backyard that evening, where his rusty old squat rack and bench press sat on the backside of his shed. Vern loved the backyard workouts overlooking his family's pasture. Vern, during his exercise, pondered on his dreams and spoke to his inner world. Fruits be of my actions. Okay, you want me to act, to make a decision. Photography was clearly not for me. So what else? You want us to live a life in accordance with who we are. You're not a person to tell us what to do. 
but rather you want us to take chances, to leap into the unknown. I lived for so long consistently judging whether my actions were right or wrong, always judging myself and trying to live to some higher standard, when that is not me. Shadow has shown me that, and Anima has shown me the depth of my soul. You want us to be like children, to take a chance riding that new bicycle, and even if we do fall, some of the most beautiful lessons are learned in those moments of humanity. We often think those moments mean the end of the world, but you look on with a smile on your face, knowing that we will be okay. All that encompasses action. We take life too seriously when the spirit only wants to play. You simply want us to live, and that encompasses action, taking chances, and entering the unknown with our unique authenticity. Vern felt a vigor in him, an adrenaline burst for life he had not felt in a long time. The weight he was lifting in his workout began to increase. He began doing sprints through the prairie grass field in his pasture. He was a kid again, running and sprinting. He whispered to himself, I have to act. He returned to his fire pit near his workout equipment and leaned over, catching his breath. And then it suddenly dawned to Vern. The spiritual and the psychological are my path. I have fallen in love with this work for the past two years. It has become a part of who I am. Even considering the darkness, there was nothing else I would have rather encountered. This spiritual and psychological work is my path. This is my vocation. Maybe I can make this a profession after all. I do not really know what, where to go, or what this means, but I know this is my path. I will continue the work, the reading, the studying, the writing, the journaling, the poetry, and I will trust in it. I trust in you. Vern had just voiced his strongest belief, thus confirming the life before him. Vern laid in bed a few hours later and soon drifted to that other dimension. The dream came forth. A bodhisattva appeared in front of me. He looked at me and said, I have never questioned this life was for me, whether in this lifetime or another. Verna woke and smiled at the shadowy, guide-like figure, speaking those complimentary words. Vern thought to himself, I was right. This spiritual and psychological work are for me. Vern began to ruminate. Vern knew he loved to write. His journaling would often take wild forms of blending his dreams with his physical experiences. Vern said to himself, Perhaps I can write. Maybe being an analyst or a counselor isn't for me, or hell, maybe one day. But perhaps I can write about it. Vern's inferior function of thinking, acting as its own threshold guardian, began to ignite in his thoughts. Be real, Vern. You're not a writer. You don't have a creative writing degree. You can't do this. I'm not letting these thoughts spiral me down. Fuck it. We're going to give it a shot. We're going to take another leap into the unknown. As he thought of the whether in this lifetime or another comment within the dream, Vern contemplated whether this authentic path calling him could be fulfilled in this lifetime or if it would require another. Vern awoke energized and revigorated. 
He continued his typical work and spent the rest of the day contemplating what he could or would want to write about. His imagination was engaged. His childlike playfulness with life was taking a hold. Vern lay in bed that night and had a single dream which simply said, Go up high and write. Vern awoke this morning and wrote a chapter outline of content he would want to write about and even began an introduction. Slightly worried about funds, Vern looked at his bank account and planned how long he could make it without new income. But Vern also knew he must trust the path. Another dream that ensued. I was standing on a dock with a writer next to me. He was looking at a school of fish in the water. He pointed them out to me and used them as a metaphor to write. As Vern awoke, he journaled on the vagueness of this dream. This man showed me the fish, just as I know fish are unconscious contents coming to life, symbolically, of course. Perhaps this man is hinting to write about the unconscious and its contents. Vern continued writing for several days. The introduction was complete, and he was now well into chapter one. Despite his reservation of the direction of his book, Vern had put forth a considerable amount in the beginning as he now began a second chapter. As the days progressed, though, Vern began to doubt himself once again, and he thought, What are you doing, Vern? You don't have that creative writing degree. There's no way this can be real. And Vern let his work sit for a week without touching it, denying that this could be a reality. But then a dream came to Vern, which would have lasting impact as he continued his work. Vern dreamt. I was standing by a large wooden desk, and Carl Jung was standing there too, holding a book. Jung told me to sit down across the table from him. He took a seat as well, and he began to flip through the book. He was skimming through all the pages with his thumb, going from the first page to the last page, and the last page to the first page. Jung looked at me and said sternly, Why is there only work done in the beginning? I stumbled across my words but replied, I guess I've been busy doing this or that. I don't really know. He closed the book firmly and said, No. Why is there not more work done? There needs to be more work done. Verna woke and a smile rolled across his face. In the grogginess of night, Vern said, Thank you. I guess we're going to finish what we started. Vern continued his work night and day. He was beginning to see how the spiritual union of masculine and feminine works and correlates to psychological operation. The creativity coming to life in his mind was the working of the anima, his feminine soul, the infamous muse to man. Creativity comes from her realm. Generative ability and action are required to make creativity a physical, concrete reality. Generation and action are of the masculine realm, and the culminated work is one level of union. Verna woke and contemplated his writing and other recent dreams. Vern wrote and wrote and wrote. He wrote so much that dreams would come forth, reminding him of balance. With such reminders, he closed his computer and took his boat out or messaged his friends for an evening of mountain biking 
or sat at the local tavern alone, wherein he loved to simply observe people. Once a week, he dined out alone. Just being around people fulfilled a social need for Vern. Vern was living in the moment, always trusting, always moving with that Taoist flow of what life is. His work was unfolding before his eyes at the pace it was always meant to. He couldn't believe it. Vern began to daydream about the future, but a dream came forth, telling him to ground himself in the moment, not the future. Vern let those thoughts go and stayed with the work, no matter what the future outcome may be. Vern was discovering his authentic path in this life. He was integrating, trusting, and living something beyond him, yet had always been in him, waiting to come to consciousness. Vern began to have vividly beautiful dreams surface in the depths of his sleep. He saw alchemical images within his dreams of an old king dying, and a new king standing in his place. The king within dreams symbolically represents our masculine, ruling principle in life. In Vern, he had let his old ruling principle die, so a new king, a new ruling principle, a new way of seeing the world, could be reborn and take its rightful place within Vern's psychological structure, his inner kingdom. He was moving forward in a new light. He began to see the new king at work in his dreams. He saw a beautiful new maiden, a new form of his inner femininity, walking arm in arm with the new king down an aisle, as an audience cheered them on. A wonderful symbol of union and harmony within. Vern then saw an image of a hero within his dreams, who wore an eye patch to symbolically display the inner and outer wars he had been through. Vern watched in this dream as the hero received a pat on the back for a job well done, and the hero was standing there, content and smiling, as he stood on an island of paradise, an inner state of blissful being, overlooking the wonderful ocean that is one's inner depths. Vern could feel the depth to these dreams, and a tear of joy and gratitude for what was came rushing forth. If you record your dreams long enough, it's wild to see the guiding function in which they possess. We just have to once again see them with symbolic eyes, that new way of seeing, that new way of hearing them. To pick back up with the compensatory and complementary nature of dreams, you can see a touch of them right here in Vern's journey. At the moment he chose a career, something new for him, the one of wildlife photography. It was at that same time that he had the dream. No, just put the camera down. Be with the animal. Or when Vern had voice that the psychological and spiritual work was for him. It was that same night that he saw the Bodhisattva. And that dream was an affirmation. It was a complimentary dream saying, Yes, this path is for you. Keep running with it, go with it. Or right at the moment when Vern was ready to quit, he had the compensatory dream wherein Carl Jung said to him, 
No, there needs to be more work done. It's beautiful to see these compensatory and complementary functions in our lives. It just comes down to whether we can be receptive that something such as dreams have the ability to guide us. But that is their purpose. That's why they're here. To help us to become the wholeness in which we are. So that we can each live our own authentic lives on this wild, wild journey. And if you decide to record your dreams, yes, it can be wild, it can be dark, it can be a little creepy at times. But it can also be beautiful. And we're here in this world, we might as well lift the depth of it. To see the heights, to see the lows, to see the darkness, to see the light, to experience it all. And after all, that is one of the most beautiful aspects of being human. Is that we can experience the light, experience the dark. This is Paradigm Run. I've been your host, Mark Barrios. Thanks for listening, and as always, more to come.